This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God. You're on The Breakfast Show, Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, with the Double L team and Dr. Zven joining us for our Bible study. So we are super excited about that. But before we get into our Bible study time, clue for the quiz. None of you got it yet. Clue for... Oh, I'm on the wrong page. Sorry. I was looking at one side of our, could, our, could our throw quiz a, thing. Throw a curveball. And, and um, I was wondering why it didn't quite make sense. Who am I? Here we go. Clue number four. I was the champion of the Philistines. Okay. Who was the Philistine champion? And he had a number of brothers as well. There's an extra clue. Okay. If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843. This is a very famous story in the Bible, not obscure at all. Or text us on 491 before we get into our Bible study, quick reminder, this Saturday morning, if you are looking forward to being a part of a, uh, a, a, a small group Bible, Bible study discussion, as you often may be a part of, then simply join us here on Faith FM. We have Talk Back, and you can call in and be a part of the Bible study discussion, just like you always do. So that'll be 9.30 this Saturday morning. And, of course, if you're on the delayed broadcast area, uh, you won't be able to do that unless you download the app Yeah. or listen online, faithfm.com.au, or download the app onto your phone. Uh, the app is entirely free. It basically uses none of your download or your data, um, and you'll get a perfect signal, and you'll be able to call up and be part of the show. So, yeah, download the app and become part of the show. We're encouraging everybody to jump online. This is this is how church is done during the coronavirus adventure. Should we call it the corona adventure? Oh, look, that's one way of looking at it. It's, I think we it's need a to. journey. It's I think a, we need to. A very, very it's exciting. Careful, careful it exciting, but responsible adventure that we're all going to have together around the world. Time to reach out to God. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Spend some time with your family, spend some time in worship, spend some time in Bible study, and connect with others right here on Faith FM. We are in Daniel chapter 12, which makes me very depressed. This is more depressing than the coronavirus. We're coming to the end of Daniel. And but it's a great chapter. It is a great chapter, but we're coming, mm. we're coming to the end. I'm sad. It's sad that we're almost finished. Not because I've enjoyed Daniel. Not because we're in Daniel, but because we're almost finished. Daniel. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll spin this out. We did one verse yesterday. Yes. We I noticed half, that. half an hour on one verse yesterday. I realized that yesterday. I got home and, and started looking at things, and we, we didn't get very far, did we? No, we didn't. Uh, so if we just do one verse at a time, we've got, we, can, we can spin this out for another quarter. Maybe. Just on the last chapter, what do you reckon? We can do that. <laughs> I don't think we will. But anyway, let's move on to Daniel 12 and verse 2. Of course, in verse 1, we have close of probation. We have Michael standing up. We have a time of trouble such as never was. And then we have an important event that is alluded to in verse 2. Um, Dr. Zven, what have you got for us in verse 2? Uh, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. It says this, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay, so what we've got introduced to us here is the resurrection. Mm. What event coincides with the resurrection? Liam, can you read for us Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse uh, 16 and 17, please. Uh, let's see how quick he can get there. No, he was going to go for the paper. He's gone for the digital instead. I bet I can beat you in paper. Let me just... Look, it was just... It was paper. more the little fiddly bits. Paper is always, was a little always faster. they flipping back always and forth. Always faster than paper. All right, first or second oh, Thessalonians? Thessalonians. Which one is it? First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse 16 and verse 17. 16 and 17 says... For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. 
So okay, so what have we got? What event have we got taking place here? The second coming of Jesus. That's the second coming of Jesus, and mm. when Jesus comes back, according to First Thessalonians, what happens? The dead in Christ will be raised back to life. That's right. Okay, so can we do something obscure here this morning? Yep. Oh, that was a quick answer. You're taking like, us on an yes, adventure. I like things yes, a little bit different. De- definitely, definitely do something obscure. Let's do something obscure. Because in Second First Thessalon- Thessalonians, you'll notice there that the resurrection is the resurrection of the righteous. Isn't mm. that so? Yes. Yes. But here we have this statement in verse 2. Many of those that sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Okay, we get that. When Jesus comes back, many people are going to, who, by the way, are sleeping in the dust of the earth. The Bible describes death as being like a sleep, and we could do, we could do, whole, we could do two whole Bible studies on verse 2. Mm. There's, 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 there's the subject of the resurrection. There's the subject of the state of the dead. dead. Yes. We could do three. There's the subject of the second coming. You know, we could, we could, we could actually, we could just be here for the rest of the year. You know, we've got thirteen verses to the end of the chapter. Let's use them. Um, no, we won't do that. Okay, so um, let's do something obscure though. The Bible says when Jesus comes back, that many will awake from the dead, some to everlasting life. That's the righteous. But then it goes on, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Ooh. What is that all about? Because the the implication here is that when Jesus returns, there will be not just the righteous raised, but there will be some wicked people who will be resurrected as well. Mm. Why would I mean in 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 First Thessalonians it just talks about the righteous? Okay, so Liam, here's a challenge for you. Yeah, why do we have wicked people, evil people, being raised when Jesus comes back? Mm. He's got the got the got the cogs the, turning there. The I'm going to show you something. Cap on Matthew. Matthew. Go with me to Matthew. I'm going to show you something very very interesting. A prophecy that Jesus made. It's a little bit chilling actually when you read this prophecy. It sends shivers up and down my spine every time I read it because I kind of I place myself in the shoes of you know the person this prophecy was being spoken to. It's like, wow. Okay. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 63. Jesus is on trial for his life in the Sanhedrin when this takes place. Uh, Matthew 26 verse 63. Sven, have you got that one for us? I do. Matthew 26 verse 63, you said? Yes. So he's standing there just before the high priest. But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Okay, so Jesus has pretty much throughout his trial exercised the right to remain silent. Yeah. Mm. Except now. But except now. He makes an exception now where mm. the priest actually comes out and says, okay, uh, I, I'm asking you by God, you know, by God's name, to speak up and tell us whether you are God yourself. The Messiah. The Messiah. Mm, the uh, Son of God. Son of God. Mm. All of that. And so Jesus, at this particular point, he feels compelled to answer this question. Mm. Um, well, he chooses to answer this question anyway. And Liam, what does he say in verse 64? 64. Jesus replied, you have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the high place of power at God's right hand and coming in the clouds of heaven. Okay, so here's what mm. happens. You know, the high priest is, uh, you know, he, he, he's out for blood. You know, he is so upset with Jesus Christ and he's going to have this guy. He's going to destroy him. And so he asks him this question because he knows that, you know, if, if Jesus answers this question, Jesus is going to, in the minds of the Jewish people, he's going to blaspheme. Jesus answers the question. This is like, yep, that's exactly who I am. You, you, you're asking, are you the Son of God? He's like, yep, that's exactly who I am. And in the book of Mark, <clears throat> in the book of Mark, um, Jesus says, yes, I am the Son of God. Okay, there you go. So he says, he says exactly, yes. yes. Yes, I am the Son of God. Mm. And, but he doesn't stop there by just saying, yes, I am the Son of God. He says, not only am I the Son of God, but here's what I'm going to do. I am going to resurrect you back to life to see me come again. Mm. Now, how are you feeling as the high priest right now? I don't know about you, but... You feel a bit intimidated. That would send a shiver up and down my spine at that particular point because you would think, what if he is? 
I mean, it's not like there's not a lot of evidence that he is. The high priest actually has overwhelming evidence that he is exactly who he claims to be. And if he is exactly whom he claims to be, and this is what Jesus is going to do, I don't know about you, but at that particular point, that would scare me. But the interesting thing is that the high priest goes on straight to say, yes, we'll, for blasphemy, we'll kill you. Yeah. And he repents not at all, Whoa. which tells us something about human nature. Mm. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, because uh, we talk about you know how people are saved, and here you've got somebody who has who is highly motivated to repent from fear, mm. and he doesn't. You know, people repent from love. Maybe his fear of losing face overcame his fear of losing salvation. Maybe he had reached a very high intellectual point where he had actually ceased to believe in the existence of God. Who knows? But his reaction in the next verse there, um, um, Sven, you've got the, uh, the next verse for us there. 65 says, Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You've heard his blasphemy. Okay, who was the one who committed blasphemy in verse 65? He reckoned, the high priest reckoned that Jesus did. But who actually did? The high priest did. The high priest did. And the reason that, that one of the reasons that the high priest did, there's probably a number of reasons why the high priest actually did, was that according to the law of Moses, he was never allowed to purposefully tear his clothes because his clothes were a symbol of the righteousness of Christ that could never, ever be broken, never be torn. You can never tear away the righteousness of Christ. And, in fact, if he purposely tore his clothes, there was a death penalty assigned to the high priest. That's how serious it was. And so he got the trial of Jesus and legally, by law, one person is condemned to death. And by law, if you follow the legal system, the other person is not. Because the other thing, the other thing that's interesting about the Jewish system, uh, the legal system uh, of the Jews at that time, was that it was illegal to condemn somebody on a unanimous uh, decision. So if the Sanhedrin, the 70 people who got together in the Sanhedrin, if they were unanimous, nobody could be condemned to death because they said it's impossible for human beings to be unanimous. Therefore, if the decision is unanimous, then that is a very, very clear evidence of collusion and the case is going to be thrown out of court. And so by the fact that they're unanimous, Jesus is legally set free. And by the fact that the high priest tears his clothes, he is legally condemned to death. But the opposite happens. Well, the other thing, of course, is that not all of the Sanhedrin were there at the time. Nicodemus wasn't there. That's right. Oh, they weren't. And, and Joseph of Marimathea wasn't there. Yes. So there was two people who weren't. At least two. That should have been there. And there's another really interesting thing as well, is that Jesus was convicted because of his identity or his claim to, be, to identity uh, to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And the interesting thing is that in a um, judicial kind of system, uh, you you are convicted by what you do. So if you steal somebody or rape somebody or you know you um, uh, you press false charges or or any of those kind of kind it's of based things, on actions based on actions, but you're not convicted based on identity. So I mean you can you can be mentally um, challenged and say that you know I'm Buddha or I'm you know Queen Victoria, but I mean for that reason you you put somebody away in the appropriate place. You don't you don't put them to death, but um, in this instance Jesus was convicted because of his identity, who he claimed to be, who he was, and that that's mind boggling. Yeah. We, we, could, we could spend a fair bit of time on the uh, Jewish legal system right here. It was illegal to hold a court at night. Yes. <laughs> this one was, everything about this was pretty much illegal. Mm. And, uh, you know, and the fact that they kept Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea out of the court system, um, you know, and it actually would have been more legal if those guys had been there because they would have stood up for Jesus. Mm. 
And that would have, you know, then they would not have had that unanimous decision, which meant that they would have been able to condemn somebody to death. But they overreached. They went too far by keeping them out of there. And suddenly it's like, oops, well, let's just ignore that little that law right now. We'll, we'll just pretend that one doesn't exist. Well, the reason is that, that I believe that the Sanhedrin was afraid. The Sanhedrin was afraid because they'd sent soldiers, they'd sent guards to, to come and arrest Jesus and bring him back. And they, the guards came back and never a person spoke like Jesus did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so, so they, were, they were scared if they let anybody who's at all sympathetic, their biblical reasoning would sway the whole uh, group to the point that it would just fall through. As it had done before. So they had to keep it locked tight and 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 secure that they would achieve this conviction no matter what. Sounds more severe than a corona lockdown. Indeed. Okay, where are we up to? We are talking about uh, the Sanhedrin here where we have this interesting prophecy that Jesus makes where he talks to the high priest and says, well, you know what? I'm going to resurrect you to see me come back in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There's one other place in the Bible that alludes to this, and we find it in Revelation chapter 1. Liam, Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 7. Revelation 1 and verse 7, because there are these couple of odd verses, and if you don't understand exactly what is going on here, you can kind of read them and go, wait, what's going on? Okay, 1 verse 7, please. 1 verse 7 says, Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven. And everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Okay, so the Bible tells us, tells us that when Jesus comes back, everyone will see him come back. Mm. But then it goes on and it mentions this special group again. Those who crucified Jesus are going to see him come back. The mm. Sanhedrin will be resurrected to see Jesus come back. The but Sanhedrin why, that condemned him. But why would Jesus do that? Doesn't it, doesn't it sound a bit like kind of, you know, slightly vindictive or kind of like, yeah, I, I, um, I'll prove my point, you know, uh, you crucified me, but, but I'll get you back. Yeah, you'll see me. It definitely has that feel to it. And as a human being, I must confess to enjoying that feel a little bit like, yeah, okay. There's some revenge happening here. You know, there's a certain mm. sense of satisfaction for a weak, failing human being like myself to see some revenge happening. Mm. What are your thoughts on this one, um, Dr. Sven? What's the, what's the purpose for the special resurrection? We call it a special resurrection because it's only for a specific yes, group of people. It is. You, know, it's not, you don't have a general resurrection of the wicked at this particular time. Yes. The Bible speaks very, very clearly about the general resurrection of the wicked taking place at the end of the thousand years. Yes. And and um, let me just qualify this because it says even those who pierced him. Now there's one group of people who pierced Jesus, who I don't necessarily think uh, will be raised at that time if they don't believe in Christ. And that the ones who actually pierced him, the the Roman soldiers. Yeah, now, that's right. There, there were Roman soldiers, the centurion standing there, and he said, "Surely this is the Son of God." There was only two people that confessed Jesus Christ on that day. One was a Roman and the other was a thief. Yes, amazing. And everybody else, everybody else was either happy that Jesus was dead or and mourning. gone or mourning. Like so, it, as if it was all over. But those two, yes. they saw it and they got it. They got it. They yeah. did. Now, so so there could have been Roman soldiers who were just ignorant. They they just didn't get it. They 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 didn't um they were just doing their duty. And I don't believe that Jesus will raise those people back back to life if they are not part of the, the resurrection of the righteous. Yep. So this, when it talks about the, even those who pierced him, it's those who intentionally convicted and crucified him. They went in with their eyes open. The, yes. Now, this is the point. You mentioned their eyes open. One of the things I think Jesus is really committed to is truth truth about who we are and also truth about who he is as well and so i really don't think that that jesus has been um vindictive revengeful saying you know you hung me up on a cross naked and and i was you know gasping for breath and i'm gonna get you back you know when i when i get to be by my big daddy i'm going to come back and share you all the you know the the might the issue is that the, the Pharisees, the people that convicted him, they need to understand and recognize the truth. And that's what, what Jesus is really saying. There's going to come a time when you're actually going to see me for who I really am. 
And that's going to be at the, at the second coming. And, and I believe Jesus does this because he, he wants to open up their eyes so that when, even though they will, as the Bible tells us, uh, they will, you know, ultimately, uh, be, uh, face the, the second death, the final, uh, final oblivion, um, going to oblivion. The, the thing is that he wants them to, to recognize that he, uh, God's way is the best. Mm. And this is facing the truth. And this is so important, Lyle, because I think that, well, I know that that is what we need to do as well. You know, if you were listening to this, we need to say, are we willi- willing to face the truth? Uh, for what it is, or are we still kind of going on, kind of just assuming, hey, you know, we can go on through life, whether it's a coronavirus or whether it's salvation in Jesus. Are we really willing to face the truth? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, really important point. Thank you so much for making that, uh, Doctor Zven. I, I, I see, um, I see here, a, you know, a, a demonstration of where these people are at as well, and where mm. their hearts are at. You know, because you get. Uh, it's it's kind of confronting, and they they still don't repent. Anyway, uh, this is for all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith before the world confess thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia. Thou wast their rock, their fortress and their might, Thou Lord their captain, in the well-fought fight, Thou in the darkness, cheer their On me. 
Welcome back, guys. That was incredible, Grace. With that was all for saints. all the saints by incredible, incredible Grace Graces. music. Yeah, I was reading that backwards. Anyway, thank you, Liam, for correcting You're us welcome. right there. Quiz, quiz. Clue number four, five. Sorry for our quiz this morning. Is David killed me with a stone and then beheaded me? I he, think I know who this is. This yeah. guy was like. That made made sure he was completely dead. You want somebody to be dead? Um, you kill them and then you cut off their head. And yeah. then they, you kill mm. them again. <laughs> properly, like, properly make sure that they're not coming they're back. Never coming back. I think David was a expert hunter with a sling and he probably had some experiences of some critters that kind of came back to life after being hit with a stone from a sling. Mm. Uh, and you want to make sure that is not going to happen with this particular individual. If you know who it is, and I think you will do, just give us a call 1-800-324-843. Prize is coming your way or text us on 491 um, okay, so I do need to remind everybody this Saturday morning at 9.30, Bible study takes place right here. Interactive Bible study, talkback radio right here on Faith FM. So please join us. Um, I'll be on with uh, at the stage. It'll be myself and Matt Parra. Um, and this will be the place where it will be happening. So please join us right here on Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m. Tune in from your home, wherever you are. If you don't, if you're struggling to get a good signal, do get the app or listen to us online at faithfm.com.au. All right. Liam, were you gonna? Did you say something? Yeah, I just coming back to the to the encounter with God. I had a bit of a question in regards to the people that are going to the disgraced people that are going to be raised. It speaks about the people that pierced Jesus. Yes, is that talking about? Is that only talking about the people who pierced Jesus then, um, both physically and metaphorically, or is that also talking about people that have pierced Jesus since then? Yeah, okay, and that's a really good that's a really good question because if it's since then, that means that every wicked person who's ever lived will be resurrected, and the Bible doesn't teach that. Yeah, okay. What Jesus does say, you've got a very specific promise by Jesus where he speaks to those uh, who were involved in uh, his crucifixion, um, and so the Bible is um, is particularly referencing that event right there. A small select group of people. What I find fascinating is you've got these prophecies with uh, you know from Daniel and Revelation that reference it. Yeah, it's not the only place that you find it in the Bible. You've got these other references for it, and it's related to the the second resurrection as well. I was talking with a a friend of mine, um, uh, and uh, he was he's gay and um, and had a Christian background too. And one of the things he came to me and he said to me was this: is he said. Why? Why doesn't God just uh, let the wicked people go to sleep and go to oblivion? Why? That's a really good question. Why does he? Why does he raise them back to life? Absolutely. For a short period of time, mm-hmm. Satan stirs them up. This is a whole Bible study in itself. That's right. Millennium then, Bible study, right there. If you've got any questions about that, give us a call. We will find a Millennium Bible study for you. Um, you can do one of the prophecy courses through the Discovery Center entirely for free, where you can cover those subjects. But yes, keep going. Yes, and and, and then uh, the wicked are destroyed in the lake of fire for all ob- oblivion, uh, for all eternity. And I should say, and and he was saying, you know, because he's struggling, he he's really struggling with these two pathways. One is a pathway where he follows um, Jesus commits his life to Jesus and uh, his whole life is is defined by God's what what's God's will for him. On the other hand, he's thinking to himself, do I just follow my genetics, my nurture, my desires, whatever it my culture, whatever, and I know that if I go down that track, then I'm going to end up heading towards you know, uh, damnation, as, as the old term would be. And so he was saying, you know, if I choose that path, why doesn't God just allow me to go to sleep, die, and and simply... Lethal you, injection. Yeah, I've just done my dash, and I just... I, why, would I, why would God raise me back to life to face uh, the judgment? And it's exactly what's going on here when the people who pierced him are raised to see Jesus coming in the clouds. And it comes back to that idea of, of 
um, that God wants us to understand the truth so we can really see this is the choice I've made. Uh, I've the 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 end result is is my choice, and that um, is very very clear. This whole judgment is about clarity, about um, making sure that we understand. Yes, God's ways are right in the end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely, and of course, you know, and it ensures because that, that sin will never come back again because God's ways are right in the end. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so uh, we are, where are we up to? Daniel chapter 12. Yes. One tiny little verse. We've got three minutes left to do another verse. Fantastic. We did talk about doing one verse per day. <laughs> These verses are just so full of, you know, and we, as I say, we could have done three verses, three studies right here on this one verse, but let's go now to verse 3, please, Liam. Verse 3 uh, of Daniel chapter 12. It yes. says... Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Okay. What's the Bible talking about here? Everyone's got to suddenly quiet. Hmm. Is the Bible talking about us? Could be. Could be. Because we could turn many to righteous. Righteousness, Indeed. Here's what I see here. Let me just share my thoughts, seeing as everybody's quietly cogitating over this one. Um, the Bible speaks about those who are wise, shining as the brightness of the firmament or the, or the sky, um, and, and those that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I don't see a scenario in which anyone goes to heaven on their own because we all have an effect on somebody else. Just like the virus. Just like the virus. Christianity is, uh, hmm, I was going to say like the virus. <laughs> that sounds goes bad. viral. Just like when you go to the, to the traffic lights and you push the button, if you go to the traffic lights and push the right buttons with someone else and they're also at the traffic lights waiting to cross the road, then you could plant a little seed in their mind. Okay. Everybody has an effect on everybody. That's right. Um, the power of influence is an incredibly powerful influence. And some people look at, say, uh, you know, Dr. Zven, and Dr. Zven does his programs and starts his church plants and does all this kind of stuff. And like, well, he turns many to righteousness, but that's not me. No, this is everybody, everybody who gives their life to Jesus Christ. And this is what's important. And so the Bible says that simply, you know, when it comes to soul winning and evangelism, there is a role for everybody today. Mike, I do a little seminar before I do a public seminar. And in a public seminar, an evangelistic program, you know, I invite the public to come along and give their lives to Jesus Christ. And when I do my pre-seminar, I do it for church members, and I say, okay, I'm going to teach you how you can be a soul winner by doing nothing. Kind of nothing. You think you're doing nothing. You feel like you're doing nothing. But you're actually having an incredibly powerful effect. There's a really good verse, and it ties into our previous uh, topic as well. And that's Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. And it says, Now when they took it, and they uh, is the, the Pharisees that killed Jesus. When the Pharisees that killed Jesus saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, um, people, they were astonished, Peasants. and I love this one. Yes, and they recognised that they'd been with Jesus. Okay, so you can tell you can tell when someone's been with Jesus. They they knew you know Peter when he was standing out of the outside of the court. They knew he had been with Jesus just by listening to the way he talked. Could mm. you get any greater compliment than that? We can listen to uh, Wendell Kingborough with the hand of God. This comes from Psalms eighty two. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. Let's 
from your Seventh-day Adventist Church in Warrigal. We just want to invite you and your family to worship Jesus Christ with us on Saturdays. We have a kids program and an adult Bible study starting at 10 a.m. Then the service is at 11.30. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church in Warrigal. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Pastor Brendan from Harvey Seventh Day Adventist Church, and I'd like to personally invite you to worship God with us each Sabbath. We start off with Bible study groups at 9:30 a.m., then hold our community worship service at 11 a.m. We also organize groups that meet during the week to connect, eat, and study the Bible together. So if you're looking to be part of an encouraging Christian community, come and join us. For more information, you can call me on 0422 896 553. That's 0422 896 553. God told Abraham to go to Canaan land and start a brand new life and be a brand new man. He took his wife and nephew and did as he was told. But it's hard starting over at 75 years old. But God said, Abraham, look, for as far as you see, all of that land is a gift from me. It's a lesson for the learning for the likes of you and me. Just have a little faith and you'll see. Well, Abraham was closing in on 99. And Sarah, bless her heart, wasn't very far behind. When God stopped in to visit in the heat of the day Said pretty soon there'll be a baby coming your way But Sarah laughed and said, no, I don't believe that it's true Me with a child with an old man like you It's a lesson for the learning for the likes of you and me Just have a little faith and you'll see It's time for a big sacrifice Build yourself a fire And sharpen up your knife Take your little boy Isaac And put him in the flame And kill him and burn him In God's holy name Then God said, Abraham, don't It was only a test You pass the flying colors Ahead above the rest It's a lesson for the learning For the likes of you and me just have a little faith and you'll see. The father of the faithful, the leader of the clan. He started out as just a simple country man. But God loved Abraham and Abraham loved him. It's a story to remember when your faith is growing dim. And you get tired and you say, oh, it was different back then. But remember that they were only just men It's a lesson for the learning For the likes of you and me 
Just have a little faith and you'll see Just have a little faith and you'll see Just have a little faith and you'll see Welcome back, everybody. That was the Statler Brothers with Have a Little Faith, and I have a little bit of faith in our listeners because we have an answer for the quiz. Congratulations to Felly, who has answered correctly, with the answer being Goliath. Goliath. Felly up in Townsville. Felly. Um, Don't forget that this Saturday morning, of course, small group Bible study right here on Faith FM, Talkback Radio. Call in with your comments as we work our way through the Bible study for the week. Now we have question of the daytime, and I'm going to bounce this around the room a little bit. Where is everyone's faith right now? Why are people hiding in their houses in fear and being ridiculous about this? Quotes, virus. God is more powerful than a virus. I don't know about you guys. You know who the worst offenders? The, in my mind, the worst offenders, and I'm probably going to offend a lot of people right now, but the worst offenders I've come across who've had the worst attitude towards this particular virus are the baby boomers. Every time I have someone sneering at me for coughing um, or no for for being um, worried about the virus, oh, right. I'm not, oh you don't have enough faith. Every single time, it's going to be a baby boomer. Why is this so? Anyway, mm. I, I guess we. I mean, look, we can we can kind of understand where they're coming from because if if you've got a big faith and if you go to Psalms 91. Um, it talks about how you know that the pestilence, the the plague, the, the disease won't come nigh you. You'll just see it and um, and have a big faith, trust okay. in God. There are things that we can do something about, and there are things that are not. Yes, the Bible teaches us that there is a difference between faith and presumption. I think this That's is a right. really really important uh, point that we need to bring up right now. And when it comes to things that we can do nothing about, we step forward in faith. Mm. And if there are people, you know, if we're working in the medical field or whatever, and there are people who are suffering with the virus, we step forward in faith and do what we can to help them. Mm. You know, we don't shy away from these people. You know, when the Black Death went through plague, when the Black Plague went through Rome, one of the things that really contributed towards the change of attitude of the Romans towards with the Christians, Christians, because the Christians were the only people who stayed in the city of Rome, and they stayed there to help out those who were suffering mm. and dying. And that was an act of faith. That was mm. not an act of presumption. Yes. Um, yes, go ahead. But you find in the Bible yes. uh, there are situations where God actually quarantines people who are sick. Absolutely. So go to if you go to Leviticus 13, the leprous person who has the disease of leprosy shall tear his... Shall wear torn clothing and let the hair of his head hang loose, and shall cover up his upper lip and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So clearly, God is saying uh, the person who has that kind of infectious, contagious disease needs to stay outside the camp. Quarantine. Quarantine. Exactly. God doesn't say, you know, for the person who catches, uh, you know, leprosy or any other disease, because there's a bunch of uh, quarantine laws that there are in the Bible, in the in the in the books of Moses. Um, and uh, God is not saying, look, just have faith, mm. because faith will cure every disease. God is saying, no, when there are practical steps available to you for the curing and the protecting of people from disease, then you are to follow those practical steps. When there is no practical steps available, such as snake bite, mm. then God's like, look at the serpent that I've raised in the wilderness and exercise your faith. For healing. Yes. And the reason why he does it is is he wants us to think of other people, not just ourselves. Not just be the bravado people that, that just cruise around, you know, even when there's a virus, but to think of others. And and in this case, um, in the Bible time, it was because the people in the, the camp, um, uh, they if they got leprosy, that would go right through the whole camp very quickly. Similar kind of thing here. So when we're thinking of the virus, we need to be thinking of two people. Number one, the elderly and the vulnerable. So, so that they don't get in the, the, the virus. And number two, we also need to be thinking of the doctors and nurses who are having to care for this flood of people who've contracted the coronavirus. Absolutely. And so you might, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm not particularly worried about the virus myself because I'm young and I'm fit and I'm healthy. I think I'm young anyway. Um, Liam thinks I'm ancient, <laughs> but I think I'm young. Um, I'm not in the vulnerable population. 
I have a plant-based diet, live a reasonably healthy lifestyle, all those kind of things. I'm not too worried about this virus. Like, yep, it'll come, it'll go, it'll be miserable. I don't want to have anything to do with it. The thing that, you know, when I refuse to shake somebody's hand, it's not because I'm showing lack of respect or I'm showing lack of faith. It's because I'm showing respect to the person, to the elderly, and I care, and I don't want to see them suffer and I don't want to see them die. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road. And those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race, not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly have come and gone And our children sift through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover And the memories they uncover Become the light that leads them To the road we each must find Oh, may Find us faithful May the fire of our devotion Light their way May the footprints that we Christian Badal with Find Us Faithful. And may we all be faithful during this time of crisis and adventure. Let's face it like an adventure. Anyway, we've come to the end of the show, which means that we are about to give something away. As I promised, we are going to give away the book Ministry of Healing. Let me give you a bit of a background on this particular book. Uh, what you're going to find here is a book that was written about 150 years ago outlining principles of health that have only ever been confirmed by modern science. 
This person, the author of this book, who uh, once again was a very, very significant uh, citizen of our local community here for those of us living in the Newcastle Lake Macquarie region uh, for many years, a woman who started uh, sanitarium health food factories, Sydney Abbott's Hospital, some of the, you know, um, Avondale College, some of the biggest industries and educational centres that we have within our region right here back in the 1800s, also wrote about health. And she was, you know, 150 going on 200 years ahead of the time, you know. Um, the information that she made available back. This is back in the days when they used to bleed people to try and get rid of their fever. I mentioned that earlier. And so if you would like to have a taste of some of the material that she wrote and just see how up to up to date and enlightened it was, then give us a call right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324. This will go through to the first caller through, uh, 324-843. Thank you for joining us, Sven, this morning. Um, yeah, it's been Thank a pleasure you. having you. Coming up next, we've got John Bradshaw with his little bit. And tomorrow, we have David Hulk joining us in the studio for uh, mental health. Remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will go strong with Jesus Christ. This world is moving way too fast 
gonna last Everybody's getting what they can No meaning to life, it's just living Unseen world.